Hello, everyone. Welcome to Laser Focus, the deep dive pop culture podcast from Nerdist. I'm Kyle Anderson. This week, um, uh, returning champion Mikey Walsh is here. Hey, Mikey. <laughs> Hello, Kyle. Thanks for having me back. Of course. Anytime. Um, this one is an interesting uh, idea because recently I've been kind of going through my collections of stuff, you know, spring cleaning in the winter, as one does often. I don't know if one does. Um, but just looking through my, you know, my physical media, and I will say it one million times, physical media is the way to go. It's the only way to actually preserve things you like and ensure that you have them. Um, but there was a period of time when I was, uh, and I still am in a lot of ways, like collector mentality, which is like you get the complete works, the complete box sets, the complete whatevers. And then I started thinking, I don't actually like all the movies in this set. And I wish you could just buy them individually because like, and so that's where I'm at these days is like, I only want the ones that I like from a franchise. And then I was thinking about what are, what are the franchises? And there are many in which really push come to shove. There's only one good movie in it. Um, most of the time, that's the first movie. Uh, not always though, but a lot of the time it's the first movie. And so, um, I thought it would be really fun to talk about franchises that have either, you know, have a lot of success or have gone on for a while where really, if you really think about it, there's only one good movie in it. And I, this is obviously where debate comes in because we all have our own tastes and everything like that. And I like plenty of stuff that I, I understand is not good. Um, a lot of the stuff can, I like is not good. Yeah. And there's nothing the matter with that. Like you can like stuff, but it's like, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a tough thing because I, I have friends who are critics and I, you know, I, um, respect them and their opinions a lot, but who say, if you like it, it's inherently good. And it's like, I don't, I don't believe that. I don't believe that's true. I think you need to be able to understand quality and st- like, for example, I love Batman forever. I just rewatched it on new year's. I, I still love it. I loved it when I was a kid and I love it now. I don't contend that it's a particularly good movie, and yet I I love it for various reasons, uh, a lot of which are nostalgia-based, but I still think, like, as a story, it's actually pretty good. Whereas I didn't grow up with Batman Returns at all, and now, and I think that's just a legitimately terrible movie. Uh, uh, like, if you could turn off the dialogue and just watch the visuals with the, uh, with the Danny Elfman score then I would be like, well, this is great because it's just like a, a Batman mood piece. But I think I think it's one of the worst scripts I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> at least at least you're making sure we're going to get letters right off the bat. We're I not going gonna... to people. Look, I know people love Batman Returns and I grew I like, up. I, I like I would... Batman Returns. I just I just rewatched it in December for a piece I did uh, debating if it's a actual Christmas movie or not. And uh, it's that movie's that movie definitely comes apart at the seams if you really think about it i i get that but i think it does a lot of good stuff um but i i do get it i do get it and you know like you said you know you grow up with some movies yeah and they they just kind of have a connection with you and some movies you don't and i think that's all fine and i think your larger point and and we've had these conversations i think with some of the same people about if you like something it's inherently good no i i'm, I'm with you i don't think it means it is good it just means it works for you yeah and that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. You know, like uh, that. Not everything has to. If other people don't like something you like, that doesn't stop you from liking it. Right. And I think that's something that gets lost a lot in modern discussion about pop culture. And I also like and this is a maybe a harder thing to quantify because I know a lot of people 
if they like something or if they dislike something, then they just rail against it for various reasons. I just didn't like it. But I do think there is the ability for some people, and I try to do this, that if I, I, I like go, I know that's a good movie. It just didn't work for me. I just don't. Uh, I'm, let me just say another thing that will get people writing letters in. I'm not the world's biggest Paul Thomas Anderson fan. I, I think he loses his, his thread in every single ending. I think every third act in his movies are terrible. I only really like, I don't even know if I would say I like it. There's stuff I like about a lot of his movies. Um, but I contend, I understand that they are all good movies. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's yeah, a well-made yeah. movie. It's well acted. Like, everything about it is good in terms of, like, if one can be objective about art, which one cannot. Um, I understand that they are good movies. I just don't care about them, and I don't want to watch them ever. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm also just kind of str- – now I'm like – what I'm trying to – figure out what it is like you have issues with like the third act of boogie nights or there will be blood because i feel like there will be blood is the one that is the closest to working across the board uh i think that that whole ending where he beats spoilers paul dano to death you know i drink your milkshake i think that is the stupidest shit (laughs) i don't want it (laughs) i think it ruins the movie kind of um boogie nights i like a lot except i uh i think it's I think it's so cringeworthy that the second it becomes 1980, everything is awful. And it's, it's just the, like, yeah, but it's the Goodfellas ending, right? I mean, I guess it's so. The, yeah, it's it's the same ending as Goodfellas. I love Boogie Nights. I, I, I'm, I know, uh, and a lot of people do. A lot of people yeah, say I'm going to be thinking about movie, the, but... I'll be thinking, I'm not, not, not that you're wrong. I just, I'm going to have to watch it for the 50th time and reconsider. But that that's well, interesting. And it's I, like, how like everything is so good in the 70s and that everything is so awful in the 80s and it's just like that just seems unrealistic so if if we considered paul thomas anderson a franchise you would have him on your list one good movie (laughs) probably do you know what i actually the one that i like the most is the one almost everyone dislikes which is inherent vice I, i i like really enjoyed that movie a lot um and i also uh, I do like There Will Be Blood. I do think it's very, very good. I just think that ending is stupid. Um, and The Master, I was like loving. I could not have loved a movie more. And then all of a sudden it was just like, wait, what happened? What happened now? Like it just completely goes in another direction. And then anyway, we're not talking about Paul Thomas Anderson. That could be a different podcast. Uh, but we are talking about franchises in which we think push come shove. There's one good entry. And so we're going to kind of go back and forth and kind of debate the merits of these things. We, we compared lists, but then we also have some honorable mentions and, and just generally kind of talk about the interesting thing about long running franchises and like, you know, some of them just don't like pass fail on every entry. Like some of them are, uh, uh, below 50% average. Um, and I think that's really interesting. So, uh, I'll ask Mikey to start. What is a franchise? that only has one good entry. I, I want to start with, I think maybe the most obvious. Um, and I, I do think that most of these movies that the one good one tends to be the first one, but that makes yeah. sense. It, it does make sense if you think about it, right? Because if you start off with a good one, you get more leeway to mm-hmm. keep making them and keep making money. Right. And there's a tale that follows a good movie. If you start off with a bad one, the chances you get to make a sequel aren't very high. So, so is it's, it might seem a little boring that most of, and I think all of mine, technically it's the first movie that is the good one, but, but that also is just the most logical way it goes. Um, 
I think the most obvious one is Jaws. We're mm. talking about one of the greatest movies ever made. And I, we, we can discuss, you know, the, like artistic merit, you know, like, is it, is it like a true work of art the way like others? I, I kind of hate that discussion in general. But if you're just talking about what do you want from a movie? I want something to entertain me. I want something to feel like a spectacle. I want something that has something to say, right? And and, Mm -hmm. it stays with me and it's timeless. Jaws is, I think, on the short list of perfect movies because it does all of that. Right. And what follows? What follows, right? I saw somebody say Jaws 2 on its own would be a good movie. Um, Okay, it just copies the first one. Yeah. It's just a remake of the first one. It's, It's worse. And then you just get these these terrible installments that it, it it's so divorced from what you see in the first one. You know, what's the the famous story about Michael Caine? Why did he do his Jaws movies? Like, I don't know, because it paid for my, my second house, you know, like, yeah, there are the definition of money grabs. There's no actual effort put into them. Apologies to the people who worked on, them. I'm sure they worked hard, but they just, they just reek of we're cashing in on Jaws. Yeah. Um, it, that was absolutely, I mean, because that was the, the birth of blockbusters, um, which is not to say, you know, there, it's not like there weren't, the reason they're called blockbusters is because uh, when Jaws came out, there was lines around the block to see it. It has busted the block. And I, I'm sure that was a variety or, you know, Hollywood Reporter, like, um, uh, word that has just since become the meaning of big movies or whatever. But yeah, so like you kind of understand because it was such a hit why Universal would want to keep making them. Um, I've watched every documentary about Jaws, <laughs> every making of, every I've heard all the all the fun stories, but like um the the original producers came back for the second one, um, which does have a shark coming out of the water and attacking a helicopter, which is pretty stupid. Um but fun in Jaws- a different franchise. It's that would be a fun Right. Scene in a different franchise in a different type of movie, not in one that follows Jaws. Oh, which and is we also uh, incredible. We should point out before we get too far into this, we're not talking about movies that had a good first movie and then a crappy sequel and then they never made anymore. We're not talking about those because that happens a lot. We're talking about ones that are legitimate franchises that have three or more, preferably more films in it. Um that that spawned other stuff and blah blah blah. So Jaws is a great example because there were four films. Uh, the fourth one is uh, the aforementioned one with Michael Caine in it, uh, who couldn't accept his Academy Award because he was in wherever they shot, you know, Barbados or whatever, shooting uh, uh, Jaws the Revenge, which makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> Let the guy fly back. Right? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's it's, uh, it's, by the way, that's that's we, that's one of these days we're going to get it up on the site. We're going to do the 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 best slash worst reasons people missed getting their Oscars. Uh-huh. It reminds me, William Goldman considered by many to be the greatest screenwriter of all time. He won two and he missed out on one because he wanted to watch a basketball game. <laughs> I believe he wanted, I think he's a, he was a legendary Knicks fan, huge, huge sports fan, um, co-wrote one of the best sports books I ever read. Um, and he just wanted to see the Knicks in New York because so I couldn't get out to Hollywood. And the, he's the best. He's the best. Much better reason than Jaws 4. Yeah, it was filming Jaws 4. <laughs> you, you missed out on your your first Academy Award. I think you won two at this point. Um, 
Michael Caine. The great, the great Michael Caine. Um, uh, Jaws 3, of course, Jaws 3D, uh, which is somehow a Jaws <laughs> gets into a SeaWorld type theme park. And it's how, how did this happen? Why would you do that? And there's a character in it uh, who's like, it was like a Quint type character, but he for some reason works at the Jaws, like at the SeaWorld. It's like, why would you have like a grizzled hunter, like uh, working? In the well, theme park? you know, in fairness, considering what happens, eh, maybe that made sense to have that guy on the staff. It's like, yeah, someone knew, someone knew ahead of time. Um, I, I never saw Jaws 3D all the way through, but they definitely showed it a lot on AMC back when AMC actually played movies. And, uh, of course not in 3d, but like all the dumb 3d effects are there. It's like, well, this, this did not translate well. Yeah. Jaws is a good example because there is, and it, and it's hard too, because it's like, yeah, maybe Jaws two is fine. You know what I mean? But it's it like when the first movie is Jaws, like what, where do you go from there? Um, and I think a couple, there's a couple other on our list where you could, you could argue that there are decent um entries later on or even pretty good or whatever but you can't you can't argue that the like there isn't just one really really good one or one great one or whatever so uh by that token i do want to talk about <laughs> it only recently got to number four but uh the matrix i used to really really like the matrix trilogy um and now i'm like you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm in the process of upgrading a lot of my like favorite films to 4k. Cause now that I have a 4k player, I finally gotten on that revolution. And I'm like, that's where a lot of this came from. This, this kind of thinking about it. And I'm like, Oh, they have a, the matrix trilogy on 4k for, you know, X amount of money. And I was like, you know what? I actually just want the first movie. Um, I think there's a lot of really cool stuff in the second movie, like that, you know, the, the highway chase is, uh, really just an awesome action sequence that takes like 28 minutes or however long it is. It's really long, but I think it's rad. And I think there's a lot of cool concepts in it. Um, I think the third one really drops the ball um, for a movie called the matrix revolutions. You don't spend very much time in the matrix. And I think that's a huge um, problem. And I, I just thought the, the fourth one was very bad. Um, I had this, yeah. I had this on my list too. Um, since you had it given it to you. Um, I think the first movie for for people who are younger than us, it's really hard to explain how big the original Matrix was. Mm -hmm. It it felt overnight like something had changed. And if you go back and you watch the the visuals or the stories that follow for the next five, six, ten years, the Matrix I think is probably the most influential movie for about a ten year period. Mm -hmm. And the excitement over Reloaded and Revolutions, even though there was some. There, you know, there were some people who just wanted to be the single perfect movie, um, kind of ended that way. But, you know, there was so much trust at that point because that's how good it was. And I think that there are elements of both two and three that work. Um, I think that the second half of Reloaded is really interesting starting once they kind of get to the Merovingian to the end. Most mm -hmm. of it works for me. The, the problem is the first half is so bad. It's just so, so bad in the first half that yeah. I don't think it could be declared a good movie. And then in, in Revolutions, as you said, the ending is horrendous. It's yeah. it's horrendous. I, I, I remember being a little bit more forgiving of the first half of that movie, um, but nothing I watch, no, it doesn't hold up. 
And then with the fourth one, uh, it was Resurrections, right? Is that, that what, yeah, I guess so, sure. Resurrections. Yeah, that shows you how, how much it worked for us. I know it has its defenders. And I feel like it's one of those movies where how much you're a fan of something being clever is goes a long way to how much you like it. I hated it. Yeah, I, I, I was actually too. kind of embarrassed. I, 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 it's my son where I was embarrassed watching it. I just couldn't believe that this was like the actual movie and that it was meta in the worst way. I like stuff that's meta that doesn't wink at you, that isn't in on it. Um, it just kind of exists and trusts you to figure it out. This was, I mean, this was like getting beat over the head with it at all yeah. times. Um, and I think we just didn't, about it. didn't like it. No, I didn't like it either. I think we talked about it on some some episode before, and I, I I forget who it was that I was talking to. It may have been you about this, but I think there's a lot of blame to be laid at the feet of um, Star Wars: The The Force Awakens. Um, I a movie that I think is good. Like I enjoy The Force Awakens quite a bit, but when you look at how how much it um, laid the groundwork for legacy sequels um, going forward, and and that's just people just go, hey, if we can get people back, uh, it doesn't matter if their story needed to continue or not. Um, that's the way we're going to get people to come see our new characters and stuff like that. And then you realize that, oh, people don't actually care that much about the new characters. They only just want to see the old people return. And so, like, um, yeah, and, and I love look, I love Keanu Reeves. I definitely I, I think he's good he, in the fourth one. He's good. He's, they're he all, is they're good. all good. It's not yeah, an acting is issue. Good. They are Carrie, good. Carrie Ann Moss is really good in it too. Um, you know, it's all sorts of, but like, I don't know. It's just sort of, um, it just was a retread and it, but it, it knew it was a retread. Like I, I don't, I'm not mad at Lana Wachowski for, um, or Lily Wachowski. I forget which, 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 there was only one of the Wachowski sisters actually did it. Um, I can't remember if it's Lily or Lana, but, um, was basically just like uh they're Lana, gonna make Lana. it was, it was Lana. Lana, yeah. They're gonna make a, a matrix for with or without me. And so I'd much rather them do it with me. And so of course she I mean it is a joke. Like it's a meta joke about franchises and everything like that. And it is clever. And to your point, it's there's being clever and then there's just being hitting you over the head with it. And I do feel like that's what that did. It didn't do anything. The one thing that I thought about the fourth one that was kind of interesting from like a um, a met, I guess, uh, you know, like a, a new concept thing, any of the stuff that happens on Zion or whatever they're calling it. I don't care about that stuff at all. One bit. Um, but like l turning the hordes of people who are plugged in into like zombies that chase them through the city. I thought that was kind of a cool idea. Um, the rest of it I thought was dumb as dumb as hell. Um, and so, yeah, like the problem with a lot of these, uh, later movies, especially if they are like the matrix, series done by the same creators is that you start to see like even as much as the technology or like the action or whatever continues to be cool you see the kind of uh, uh lightning in a bottle that the script was and like there's so much of the second two films i don't remember much about the script of the fourth one other than it just being kind of cringy but like there's there's a lot of like clunk in the second and third matrix movies it's all very on the nose and then you go back and watch the first one and it's there too but it's less egregious but there's still a lot of like just talking about philosophy um and then they went way overboard with it on the second two and so like like i said like i don't think they're i don't 
I don't think any of the movies except the fourth one is bad, like a bad movie. Um, but I don't think two or three are good. Um, and it and took a while for me to get to that. I never really liked the third one, but I, I liked the second one for a good long while. We haven't talked about it too. It's like the, the first Matrix looks incredible. Mm-hmm. That, you know, like him, him slow motion dodging bullets. Again, it might seem not a big deal now. It was like one of the coolest things that had ever appeared in a movie. And I realized, you know, it was, it was drawing heavily from um, foreign films. But, you know, for an American audience, this was like a big, big moment. And then the second and third has some of the worst CGI ever put on film, just ever put on film. And that was a big problem that you went from this, this visual marvel to these visual disasters. Yeah. And that's something that, you, you know, we're going to, there's, we're going to talk about another franchise eventually about that still looks pretty amazing. So it wasn't like these movies didn't have the technology. Mm-hmm. It just, I, I think that it was clear that there really wasn't a second and third story in mm-hmm. mind when they made the matrix. And you feel that you feel that every step of the way. Through the, through the second and third parts. Yeah, the first one is so well constructed as a hero's journey. Like, it's it's very much, you know, obviously there's the prophecy, there's the chosen one, there's all that stuff, which is just... And it's using that very clear um, Joseph Campbell kind of storytelling in order to put all these cool, like, you know, cyberpunk kind of, like, anime-inspired um, action set pieces and, like, concepts and all that stuff, which is what makes it work. You know, and you can say... Well, there was more to do. Like he, he hadn't completely destroyed the matrix by the, you know, whatever. And it's like, he doesn't need to, like he's flying. He's Superman at the end of that. And it's like, when you make him as powerful as a character can be there, um, uh, you know, that you can't, where, where do you go from there? And, and the answer was, you have to try to like make him just the, yeah, the million Smith fight where he's, he, everybody turns into a cartoon is very, it's, it's just unfortunate. I think, um, they, they were trying to push forward, um, technology and it just, they pushed it. They tried to do too much with it. Um, so unfortunately it just didn't work, but I do think the freeway fight is pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Still, still looks great. And it's just too bad. The rest of it didn't look that good. Uh, all right. So next up, Michael. I don't want to go. All right. I think I, when I was coming up with my own list, I have these rules in my head of what qualifies as a franchise and what doesn't. And this one sort of slightly breaks my own rule because when I think of a franchise, once you get to four films, I don't care what's going on. You've hit franchise mode. <laughs> Before that, you're, you're kind of a trilogy unless one of those movies is like a reboot, new cast type thing to show that it's like a, it's a, it's a whole thing. But I have to include this one because I don't, no, if there was ever any comedies that quite disappointed me the way that Austin Powers 2 and 3 did. <laughs> I think there is only one good Austin Powers movie, and it's the first one. Um, that movie, at the time, another huge, huge hit. Um, you know, Mike Myers, if you could go back to when that movie came out and ask people, what do you think his career is going to look like for the next 30 or 40 years? Uh, we all would have said he's going to be like the biggest star in comedy that whole time. Yeah, it hasn't really. It just didn't really work out that way for whatever reasons, and I think it kind of starts with like Austin Powers too, which just hits so many of the exact same jokes, mm-hmm. like identical jokes. They're doing the same bits over and over again, and then they do them again in the third movie. You know, so it's like it's tired in part two. It's 
exhausting by part three. And it's not to say that there's nothing funny in those movies. I think, is it the third one that has the opening sequence where it turns out it's Tom Cruise as yeah, Austin Powers? That's, like, third that's, one, yeah. that's a great bit. You know what? It's also original and unexpected and fun. And everything that follows it is totally expected and not fun and not original. I know that there's been talk for a long time about a potential fourth movie. Maybe it would focus on his son, Scott. Maybe it would focus on Dr. Evil more. Um, I'd probably still be excited, hoping that after all this time, he had some fresh new ways to to make it funny. But until we get an, another good Austin Powers movie, it is on my list. Agree with you. There's a lot, of, you know, not just I mean, comedy is tough because a lot of that stuff just doesn't hold up. You know, like a lot of that type of humor just doesn't quite hold up. And um, a lot of the the jokes, too, are very belabored. Um, um, and yeah, you're right. Like they do repeat the same bits over and over and over again. Um, how many times how many times do we have to have a bunch of people looking at a satellite or some image and coming up yeah. with different ways to say Johnson? It's we get it. It was funny the first time, which was also an extended joke. Like, yeah. Go back and watch the first one. That whole whole bit, that's like six or seven different people doing the exact same joke. It works. It works. Yeah. I'm not saying you can't like keep doing it, but you can't do the same bit over and over again. And that's what those all those movies are. And by the way, I have a very vivid memory of being incredibly excited for Goldmember. Mm. I remember thinking like, okay, two is a letdown. But I remember loving the trailers, loving the characters, thinking it was going to be really, really funny. Um Michael Caine was going to be involved. Yeah. You know, I was like, this is it. I'm going to solve it. And, and then I walked out of the theater being like, that was so bad. I can, I literally cannot believe how bad that movie was. Yeah. I, it's, and I know what they were trying to do. Look, the James Bond movies lasted forever. And these are, these are, um, uh, parodies of those. But the thing about them is that they are parodies of, well, the first one was a parody of a very specific, like two year span of James Bond movies from like 1967 to 69 or something like that, like a very specific span of time. And like Dr. Evil is just Donald Pleasance's version of Blofeld. Like, you know, all of that stuff is just, you know, is uh, Largo from uh, Thunderball and like all this stuff. You can there's one to ones of all that. Um. And yeah, and so like, I feel like the joke got, it's like, all right, we get it, you know, like, and then it just became like, well, now what, what Austin Powers think? There's nothing, you're, there's nothing to make fun of at that point, um, other than just more of the same. So yeah, I agree. Um, and I, I also would have thought that Mike Myers' career, but then he made the love guru and everything kind of stopped after that. The movie's not good. No, and <laughs> everyone knew it was not good the first time we saw a trailer for it. Yeah. Everyone kind of went, it's like, uh, stick to doing Scottish accents, bro. (laughs) What are you doing here? Uh, And then he showed up in Inglorious Bastards, and that was weird. That is so Uh, weird. That is good in it, but it's like, yeah, but it takes you out. It it does. It takes you out. It takes you out of that moment. I mean, this is not the first time anyone said this, but like when Bob Odenkirk showed up in Little Women, it's like, the hell? (laughs) Like, what's he doing here? (laughs) (laughs) That's become the standard. It is the standard of like very strange third act reveals or second act. I actually don't know when he shows up in that. Um, okay. So the next one for me, I'm, we're going to talk a little bit about horror franchises because there's just a million of them and they go on way too long, but they always seem to make money and everything like that. And I think, um, I'm going to be a bit controversial because I know a lot of people like some of these, but 
um, the more and more I think about it, uh, I think Halloween, the first Halloween is the only good movie in the franchise. There are some pretty good. I mean, this is my favorite horror franchise. So let me just start. Well, my favorite long running (laughs) horror franchise. Evil Dead's my actual favorite horror franchise because there's four or five movies and all five of them are good. Um, But. Uh, so John Carpenter, same thing with Jaws. John Carpenter's Halloween is, is, and was groundbreaking. Uh, it set the tone for the entire slasher. I mean, it wasn't the first slasher movie. We talked a little bit about that and somebody, some, some other episode that, um, uh, uh, black Christmas and, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre sort of set the tone for like seventies into eighties slasher movies. But, um, Halloween was the one that set the ball rolling. Uh, you know, Friday the 13th was a direct inspiration or, or direct, um, descendant, I guess, of Halloween. And like, you know, all of those ones going forward, which were a big guy with a knife and a mask, like it's, it's all there. Um, and so I think it's so good that where do you go from there? And obviously they tried to, go in a different direction with Halloween three, which I think is a fun movie on its own. Um, but since they had to stick with Michael Myers, because uh, the public wasn't, if they'd have done season of the witch as Halloween two, I think it would have uh, been a lot better received, but um, Halloween two is okay. But by that point it was, it was not Carpenter himself. He wrote it. And I think kind of did second unit and produced it and stuff. But um Rick Rosenthal directed. Rick Rosenthal Halloween directed that one. Um, and it's it's much more like, by that point, that was 81. Even just in the three years or four years or whatever since they made the first one, all of the other slasher movies that had been coming out, um, you know, up the gore, they made, you know, they were a lot more mean-spirited. They were a lot more exploitation heavy. And so that's all Halloween 2 is. And then they're like, well, now what do we do? Well, I guess we got to explain uh, the the guy uh, and so that's how you get the thing about him being Laurie's sister or Laurie's him being Laurie's brother, um, which then got ignored. And so like, like I said, I like these movies. I like watching them. I enjoy the tone. I enjoy, you know, everything about them. But so four, I think is okay. I think Halloween water is decent. The end. Um, I don't Wait, think hold on, just like, you call Halloween H2O Halloween water. Is that? Yeah. Okay, I, I, just make always, sure. I have and always will. Okay. I just want to, um, just want to make sure I wasn't missing something. I'm like, I don't remember Halloween. What? Um. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So I have to, I have to ask you, right? I have to, imagine, I have to it, imagine yeah. there are people listening right now who are just screaming questions. You don't think Halloween 20 or Halloween water is just straight up good because it has a lot of defenders as does at least the 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 2018 Halloween. I feel like the, I feel like if I feel like people out there listening who don't agree with you, those are going to be the two movies they point to and say those are both legitimately good movies. So, what is it about both of them that makes you think they're just okay at best? Well, Halloween Water was, um, it, it was. I mean, it was written by Kevin Williamson, uh, who is the scream guy, um. It's it's like 77 minutes or something like that. It's incredibly short. I don't think it's quite that short, but it's very, very short. Um, and it it's just seems so kind of like typical dimension films, teen slasher, like 
it's it's so by the numbers and the only thing that it has going for it is the return of Jamie Lee Curtis and she's very good in it but you know um I don't think it was I don't think it's it as a film is anything and also like they didn't get the mask right there's a bunch of weird things with the actual production of that movie um which uh I don't you know we could get into but there's books and things you could watch about the weird production of that I I could not have been more excited for Halloween 2018 I remember I, this. You were very, very excited. I got to go to the set visit in South Carolina. Um, I just was like, hell yes. This seems like they get it. They're going to undo the Lori um, is Michael's sister thing. Um, but the thing about it is it's a, it's an entire movie about what if what if the franchise never existed, but what if we all collectively felt like the franchise existed and that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like it's, it's a movie that only exists if you've seen all the other movies and understand that the other movies aren't very good. Cause like, there's even a joke in it that like, uh, I heard he was her brother. Oh no, that's just a myth or, you know, stuff like that. It's just like, that's so stupid. And like, also they, they, and, you know, they bring in way too much like, topical stuff like the podcasters doing a true crime podcast about michael myers and stuff like that and they keep calling him a serial killer i'm here to tell you something folks he's a spree killer he's not a serial killer mm, interesting <laughs> serial killers are over an ex uh, an extended period of time and if he only well he killed his sister when he was a child and then he kills what like five people on halloween night if the second movie didn't exist um that's just a spree killer. Like he just killed multiple people. There's, there's people today who killed more people than that, who aren't called serial killers. So I just think it's a very like, but they use that word because serial killers is like very buzzy and like the plot's very stupid. And, um, and also like, so I was very disappointed by that movie when I actually saw it. I was just like, all the stuff that I thought was going to be cool about it was not in it, which is all the stuff about Lori and her family, like her daughter and granddaughter and everything like that. There, way less of that is in the finished film than what I was hoping for. And then the next two after that are so God awful that it, it retroactively ruins the halfway decent possibility that the 2018 one was okay. Um, and so I just don't think I, I don't want to watch any of them ever again. Um, not a great sign, not, not a, great a great sign. Time. Right. So like I, I, I and it doesn't like, Rewatchability is not necessarily a hallmark of a good movie. Um, there's plenty of really, really good, great movies even that I have no desire to ever watch again. But um, I was, you know, for something that I was that excited about to just be like, ugh, this is so stupid. Like, I, and like all of the new characters with maybe the exception of the granddaughter in, and well, the, Judy Greer is a national treasure. So I'm very happy that she was the uh, international treasure. Daughter. International Inter treasure. Yeah. I mean, interspace, well, <laughs> intergalactic treasure. Um, but then spoiler, she dies in the second one. And, and it's like, why did you do this? Why did you do this to Judy? <laughs> she did nothing to you. <laughs> so that sucks. So anyway, um, I, I stand by it. I think, uh, I think, I think Halloween one is a masterpiece. Uh, it's perfect. Same way that jaws is like it is in for what it is doing. It is as perfect a movie as you can get. And every other one has just been a sweaty attempt to retread that and recapture that magic. And you just can't because um, you just can't like once you explain the boogeyman in any way, 
you take away the the magic of it. So he's her sister. I did it again. He's her brother. Uh, or, you know, he's being siblings. controlled. <laughs> They're siblings. He's being contro- controlled by the rune of thorn. Like, you know, like he's some sort of mystical, like embodiment of evil, which is like what happens in the fourth, fourth, fifth and sixth movie. And then like, I just don't. And then he's just like some old crotchety <laughs> old murderer who gets out of an insane asylum and kills more people. And it's just like, is he a normal person or is he a monster? And like, they can never contend. So, um, Halloween, one good movie. Well, I don't know if my next movie could possibly be any more different from Halloween, but it's got almost as many movies and way less of a success rate. By our own standards, one good movie. This is getting real close to the edge here on one good movie. But I'm going to defend that this has one good movie, not great. This is a franchise with seven films, six of which are horrendous. (laughs) When I was a kid, these movies were on TV all the time. All the time. I... I, I don't understand. It was almost like one channel was just dedicated to airing these movies, which is why I have very strong memories of them. Police Academy. There are seven Police Academy movies. You can Google it. Look it up. Seven of them. The last one came in 1994. Police Academy. Mission to Moscow. Okay. If they had gotten to make an eighth, they probably would have went to space. I don't know. But they didn't because... After the first movie, which is, it's not like, it's remembered better than it is. Um, And I think it's remembered better than it is because there were so many Police Academy movies that are so horrific that it improves the quality of the first one. The only Mm -hmm. decent to good one, which, um, you know, like a lot of movies of that time, hasn't exactly aged well in all the ways. Um, But it still has a lot of funny bits. When you, look, I know Rotten Tomatoes. And sites like that are not the be-all, end-all of anything. But it's pretty telling with Police Academy movies that once you hit Police Academy 4, Police Academy 4, 5, 6, and 7 all have a tomato meter score of 0%. 0%. And it's not as though the movies before it are much higher. You know, you look at 3 and it's got a 36 uh, yeah, two is something similar. I don't even think one one doesn't even technically have a good rating because it has um, it has like a, a, the critics is under 60 percent. Right. This is these movies had to cost seven dollars to make like the, the, there's nobody there's nobody that was sitting around being like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We unlocked it. We unlocked it. We, we got the secret. We got the secret formula here. It is. The funniest thing about the Police Academy franchise is that there were so many of the movies and so many of them are just horrendous. I know this seems a weird one to put up against. You know, we're talking about franchises (laughs) like The Matrix and Jaws and Halloween, (laughs) but you cannot talk about franchises with only one good movie and not include Police Academy, which is the epitome of only one good movie. Um, I have a confession to make, which is that I have not seen any of the Police Academy movies. Uh, but I do ver- vividly remember them being on all the time and also vividly remember the cartoon. And then in the late 90s, the live action series. Um, and there were toys of Police Academy like it. I, I owned them. What? 
when yeah. you think about that, it's just like a raunchy, stupid, like broad comedy. The, the first one, at least I know is very sexist in a lot of ways. Like I have, and, and possibly racist. I don't remember. Definitely. But, definitely a little homophobic. It's been a while, but I definitely 100%. remember some homophobia. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it was every comedy in the eighties was a bit homophobic at the very least. Um, so yeah, they don't hold up, but, uh, you know, like on IMDb, it looks like the first police Academy has a 6.7, which is actually pretty good. So that, that must mean a lot of people like you watched them a ton when they were a kid and just were like, yeah, I love police Academy. But like, even they are like, nah, these like second <laughs> police Academy two, <laughs> their first assignment, police Academy three back in training. So they didn't even get very far. Police Academy Four Citizens on Patrol, which I actually know because it has uh, a rap song as its theme, uh, uh, which I don't want to sing. But it's look up the opening credits to Citizens on Patrol. It's very bad. Um, but like that is the the franchise that spawned. You know, it gave us Bobcat Goldthwait. It gave us um, the guy who does the voices. What's that guy's name? The noises. Uh, I think that's actually legally his name now. The guy who does the voices. The guy who does the voices. What is his name? No, uh, hold on. This is um, Michael Winslow. We, we should Michael know that. Come on. We're getting old Carl. people. I wanted to say Carl Winslow, but that's the dad from Family Matters. Um, uh, uh, the rest. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's it. Like, um, I rem- I just remember them existing and the, and, they were sort of like you couldn't do anything about it. It's like, well, Police Academy, obviously, they're going to make another Police Academy movie, and they're probably going to make more Police Academy movies. And the fact that they only stopped at seven is like a strange. And I think the last the last one might have just been an HBO exclusive movie or something like that. Like, I don't know if it actually went to um, theaters, but who, who can say? Uh, hey, Kyle, let me let me just say, there's there's really not a lot we can say about Police Academy. So I great. just want to mention it. I just want to mention that there's another long-running comedy franchise that that overlapped that could go on this list and i think a lot of people would revenge of the nerds the reason i did not Mm. include revenge of the nerds is because the only quote-unquote good one was the first one and if you go back and watch that movie it is reprehensible oh yes i'm not i'm not even talking about it in 2024 standards like i'm not i'm not saying like oh wow it hasn't aged well I'm saying watch that movie and imagine sitting there in the theater at the time and be like, this is okay. Yeah, yeah. these things are okay. Yeah, the sexual assaults, that's that's funny. That's a good bit. Yeah. Uh, oh, there's more. Oh, there's more. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, it is... I, I cannot say that is a good movie because it is, I, I am probably a little bit more forgiving of some of that stuff just in terms of like hey we can acknowledge that that's really bad right but the movie's kind of revenge of the nerds is not <laughs> not one of those movies it is no so disgusting so disgusting so that is why it is not on this list even if it sounds like it fits the same police academy <laughs> uh, criteria yeah yeah at the very least you can say the first police academy movie is less offensive than revenge of the nerds um yeah so i i have i a similar thing. Look, they made a lot of family movies. Um, I could have put on like uh, uh, the land before time. Uh, there's 13 million sequels and only the first one's any good things like that. Um, but I want to add, we just, you know, had the holiday season. Uh, so I'm going to mention the home alone movies. There were two real home alone movies. And then 
uh, a knockoff and then a bunch of really bad uh, direct to video sequels, which I, I don't even know if we should be counting these, but I, I think the most recent one was actually, was that Disney plus, right? That's right. I think that's, yeah. Right. So they, they thought they, they thought they were going to return to form. And that I think was the most hated of them all. It's yeah. So the problem with the, the, the newest one is that uh, the kid is an asshole and the, the robbers are just parents who are trying to, you know, like they find themselves in a in a horrible situation where they need to like steal from these people or whatever like that. Um, it, it's it's a it's a weird one. Uh, and I know a lot of people like the second Home Alone movie Lost in New York. I am a huge I hate here we go again movies. I hate it. I hate them. And I hate them. I hate them. This is a this if you go kind of through our list or, you know, if we had if we had just if we had also included like movies that have sequels, this is such a common problem where the second movie is exactly the plot from the first movie. Yeah. Um, one of the one that just didn't make my list, the hangover, the hangover two is the exact same movie as the hangover one. Yeah. It's just a different um, location. I, I like Wayne's world two, but it's not very good because it's the exact same plot as Wayne's world one. Yeah. Um, I, the, the greatest example of this is coming as my number one. Um, but this is something that you see over and over again. Let's just run it back. Yeah. Exactly the same. And it is never, ever works. And that you're, you're right. Home Alone 2 is the same movie in a different place. And yeah. it's, I think, I think if, if we watched it for the first time now, like if they just made that for the first time now, we'd be like, this is really bad. It's just the same movie. I think it gets held higher because the people who love it the most were kids when they saw it. And it was yeah. still fun to go back with Kevin and, and deal with the, the sticky slash wet bandits. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in the second Home Alone movie that uh, scared me when I was a kid, specifically when Marv gets electrocuted and turns into a skeleton. That scared the crap out of me when I was a kid. Um, uh, and it's just, you know, it is just the same. Like there's there's the character who seems scary and isn't actually scary. And then there's like, you know, all the dumb traps and stuff. And, and you know, you can make the joke that like a kid fortifying his house with toys and like paint cans and stuff is cute. A kid fortifying like an abandoned building, a condemned building. And these guys are legitimately trying to kill him. <laughs> I don't know if that's okay. Um, at least that one looks like a movie. There's a lot of like, once you get to the sequels, they are like, eh, who cares? Um, that one like looks like a movie. It also has a very unfortunate cameo, which I won't even say the name of, but like there's yeah. New York cameo in it. Anyway. Yeah. Kevin McAllister is kind of an asshole. Uh, uh, like just call your parents, stop racking up money on yeah, credit yeah, cards. Like I, I get it. They're I not even hard. in a different country this time. Like in the first one, they were in, Paris wasn't it like somewhere or was that the second one I can't remember uh, it, honestly you can't remember because it's the same plot it's the same <laughs> exact just plot. overlap one time it's France one time it's Miami I think who it doesn't matter yeah <laughs> because but why yeah. not why not just have him why not just have him running around the hotel you know like a kid running around a hotel is way more of like a kid's fantasy than an abandoned New York tenement right like right and you also would <laughs> you also would have had the villains of the hotel. You would have had Tim Curry involved in all that. Yeah. Like that would have been so much better. I, I don't know if it would have been enough to, to make it legitimately good, but it's like, okay, we got Tim Curry in this movie. He's and chewing Schneider. scenery. He's awesome. 
Yeah. Let's run away from this hotel. Get them yeah. out of this movie now. Yeah. Let's. And then he like throws bricks at their heads and stuff. They, they would be dead. Like Marvin, Marvin Harry would be a hundred percent dead. Um, they would have been dead in the first movie, but at least they maybe yeah. could have survived, you know, falling and stuff. They just would have had horrible contusions, but like, no, they definitely shut- were dead yeah. in the first one. I think yeah. we had, I think for years, that was one of our most read pieces. Uh, yeah. A breakdown about how they would, why they would have definitely been dead. I mean, the yeah. paint can alone swinging at that it, speed smacked in your head. Yeah. You'd be dead for sure. Unless it was an empty paint can. Look, we can't say that it wasn't an empty paint can. Um, one of the ones that almost made my list because the second one is so here we go again. Um, even though it was based on a different book that has nothing to do with the first book that the first movie was based on was Die Hard. And I was like, I'm 100% going to put Die Hard on here. And then I remember Die Hard 3 is actually pretty good. Actually, I like Die Hard 3 a lot. I consider Die Hard 2, Die, uh, Die Hard as well. I want to clarify because I think Die Hard 2 is still kind of fun. There's there's uh, fun bits in it, but it's yeah. like... Why? How could this happen to the same guy twice? He even says it in the movie. It's like, ah, get out of here. Uh, I, for, I forget the name of the movie that that's or the book that that's based on. But like it wasn't the sequel book to the book that um, Die Hard was based on. And then the Die Hard 3 was based on a completely standalone script. I think wasn't I think Die Hard 5, which is awful. Live, uh, uh, a good day to die hard might be the only the first movie in the franchise that was written to be a die hard movie maybe it was the fourth one but i feel like every other thing it's either based on a book that has nothing to do with it or based on a script that has nothing to do with it and they just retrofit it to a die hard movie anyway it doesn't matter um that's not on my list but yeah home alone home alone one is a classic um and home alone two is a lesser version of that same classic uh that that just tries to up it with location and kind of spectacle. Um, but like, you just kind of can't beat, you know, the very John Hughesy, wintry Illinois setting of the first one. Um, and a kid all by himself. Like, at, by the time he gets to the second one, Kevin's what, like 12? It's like, come on. <laughs> you e- know? Even, I mean, he's also just mature and experienced, you know? I mean, yeah. once you fight, once you fight for your life against two, yeah, you know. Two of those guys. I mean, there's you're even not a anymore. another clip of an old gangster movie. Like it's that the same. It could not be more the same. I bought the milk, eggs, and fabric softener. Oh, you uh, you know I'm obsessed with that. Like that line. What what is it about this kid that makes him think the fabric softener is so important? Like milk, eggs, got it. Like you know that you know that that's like a thing when you're what. Five, six, yeah. right? Milk, Milk and, and eggs. eggs. That's breakfast. Yeah. Right. What, is, what is it about that he's like? He's like, okay, I'm going to go to the store. I'm going to get the milk, the eggs, and the fabric softener. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's one of the weirdest lines in any movie. It makes me – I also want to know. So if he did laundry, did he – I'd have to go back. Like, did he only use fabric softener? Did he think that's how you clean the clothes? Just with fabric softener? Yeah. I guess when things get dirty, the fabric gets very hard. I hate that line so much. It makes me kind of wish that the wet bandits had had flooded the victorious. House. Yeah, well, flooded Kevin. I don't know. I don't want to go that far. Although I'm not the one who called the kid an a hole. <laughs> I think. Well, he's an adult now. Like if <laughs> if if Kevin McAllister were to exist in real life, he would be an adult now, and I was a kid at the time, so I can call him an asshole. Mm. Um. Okay. Next one. 
before I get to uh, my number two, I just want to mention when, when Kyle and I were just prepping and we didn't talk specifics. We just kind of talked, you know, we wanted to make sure we, we didn't overlap. We both considered a franchise that we ultimately could not put on the list because we haven't actually seen all of them. Yeah, Neither of us have seen all of them. But what was funny was we totally disagreed on what the good one is. <laughs> yep. And Kyle, Kyle thought I was insane. Yeah. We, we almost included Saw. But I think the only good Saw movie is Saw 6, the one with the health insurance executive. I honestly I think it's the can't. the only good one. I don't even know if I saw that one. Uh, it's really interesting. It's, it's, it, I think it's like the only – no, look. There, I, again, I haven't seen – I didn't see the most recent one. I got sick of the franchise. I kind of don't even like the ones I used to like anymore. But with Saw 6, it, it forces a health – uh, insurance executive or CEO, whatever you want to call him, to to face these decisions that he makes on paper all the time in person. Like at one point, he literally has to choose who is he going to save, a young, healthy guy with no family or an uh, older woman with a lot of family, right? Because on paper, he's just going to like insure the healthy guy because it's going to cost him less than the old woman. But he has to actually see the the consequences of his life and death decisions, which are always just abstract, they are made tangible. Um, he has to make decisions for his employees, who also are making these these life or death decisions without really thinking about the fact that they're life or death decisions. It's I think the best kind of use of the entire premise, and hmm. I don't think I've ever actually liked the first one, which I imagine is the one that you think is good. Uh, it is. That's the one that I think is is the good one. I, I think that like I think there's a lot of uh, uh, blame to be laid at the feet, the <laughs> the severed feet of the first movie. Um, but uh, I think for like a super low budget horror movie with twists in it, like I, I think that they, you know, that set the precedent for a lot of, you know, swerve endings, Not which is not to say that like obviously M. Night Shyamalan did stuff like that first, but like the idea that the killer was in the room with you the whole time. You just didn't realize it. Like, I love that stuff. Um, and I remember thinking, you know, and it was like a big deal that had like a viral marketing campaign where like, yeah, just saw the scene with, um, Shawnee Smith with the reverse bear trap on her head. And like, that was just the trailer. And like, um, you know, at the end of that scene, you know, the, the you know the titles came up on the little on, on on the little uh promo how effed up is that like they knew what they were doing they were like um and so you know obviously that was like right at the time when torture porn became a thing and that was one of the like the hallmarks of it i think james wan at the time was james wan and lee Winnell were like part of the the splat pack was this new breed of uh horror directors who were doing like really gory stuff like eli roth and rob zombie they were all in there um but I still think the first one is interesting enough and good enough. There's a couple of okay parts to other ones, um, but I can't I can't say for sure that I've actually ever seen the sixth one. I've heard that the tenth one that just came out last year or the year before is pretty good. I've heard that one's uh, a lot of people say like, oh wow, this one. Uh, but like, if we get into the tenth one and there's only maybe one and or two good entries i'm not watching the rest of them (laughs) so like i'm not gonna find out um so anyway there's a there's a million saw movies there was a period of time when every halloween season there was a saw movie and just that's just law of diminishing returns and they kept trying to make it all connect to the first 
thing and like the timeline gets insane and so like um yeah but you think the sixth one's good and i haven't seen i can't say that i have seen yeah. that one i know so, i've seen one through five for sure and the fi- the fifth one is just awful um so i don't even know that i went to see the s- sixth one you you've definitely seen my actual number two franchise though my number two i i don't think this is controversial at all but i won't be surprised if if people are angry at me there is only one good Jurassic Park movie, and I am including I, the Jurassic World movies. Yes, of course. There, there is are six only Jurassic one. movies, yes. Yes, but. six Jurassic movies. The first one is just like I talked about with Jaws, another Spielberg, that is like a perfect movie in terms of everything you would want from a movie-going experience. Uh, it is aged tremendously. It still looks great. This is what I was referencing earlier. When I was talking about the second and third Matrix movies looking terrible immediately. Like <laughs> 1993, Jurassic Park still looks fantastic. It's It holds up in every way. Um, the second movie's okay. Kind of okay. Yeah. I don't think it. I don't think it looks very good. I think it's one of Spielberg's worst looking movies, which is so strange. It's very to me. muddy. It's yeah. It's a, yeah I just it's very like ugh, kind of. It also it movie. also feels very um, very much like everything's a set. I and mm. I really hate that. Uh, the first Jurassic Park uh, feels like it takes place on that actual island, and yeah. Lost World feels very much like it takes place in um, you know, in a studio, right? And I. I don't think because I'm very close to where it is, but they, I went on the universal backlot studio tour while they were filming Jurassic park too. So like, I mean, which I'm sure they went on location somewhere, but like, um, so much of that was just shot on the soundstage. So yes, I, I completely agree with that. Uh, as we talked about earlier, I think Jurassic park three is horrendous, but I have a lot of fun with it because it's so bad. Uh, we were yep. talking about like just because you like something does not mean it's inherently good. That movie's not. Yep. Um, Jurassic World. There is some good stuff in that movie. Unfortunately, the terrible stuff outweighs it tremendously. Um, anytime dinosaurs are fighting in the first Jurassic World, it's good. Anytime human beings are talking, it's the worst thing you've ever watched. I thought the next one. Uh, what was that? Uh, Fallen the Kingdom. Fallen King. Yeah, I thought the doing like the the haunted house was a really good idea, but the movie just doesn't work. And uh, I think, did everybody just agree to pretend like Dominion never happened? Yeah, is I that, think so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, all five, all, uh, all five, <laughs> out of all five, only one good one. And I don't, I don't even think it's close. No, I I'm with you. Like I, I kind of have weird nostalgia for um, the lost world. Also, it's a Spielberg movie. So like there's always, there's a floor to Spielberg, Spielberg movies. Like it's in terms of Spielberg movies, it's not very good, but in terms of just other movies, pretty pretty darn good there's a lot of great moments like there's the great match cut at the beginning when the the mother screams after her daughter gets attacked by those little tiny things and it immediately cuts to ian malcolm yawning as the squeal of the subway train comes by like that's some good stuff and i think the the sequence but even you know i was about to praise the sequence but is essentially the same sequence as the as the car in the tree in the first jurassic park which is them hanging over the side uh in the trailer and they have to like hold on and, and like and that looks that looks them. like it was all filmed with four walls around it it looks really small like mm-hmm. it, it it doesn't have that it doesn't have the the scope of the first no. movie where it feels like they really are hanging over over a giant ledge that technically shouldn't be there um yeah, you know like <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> when did this come yeah um, um so 
it just that I that that's kind of, it's it's that kind of captures a lot of what I don't like about that movie, which mm-hmm. isn't just I don't know. I don't I don't really get it. And um, like you said, there's a floor. And I think that uh, comparing it to the other movies in the franchise, Lost World seems a lot better than it is. Um, I also think yeah. there was just general excitement when it came out. Oh, for sure. For but sure. I, I think that it doesn't really, I don't think you can call it good. No. And I, I, th- I think um, the ending where they like are running from the T-Rex in San Diego with the baby T-Rex is one of the stupidest things I've ever seen in a movie. Like even at the time I was like, this is not good, right? Like we can agree this isn't good. I said to my parents and they're like, you're 12. What are you doing talking like this? Um, um, I bought the milk, the eggs, and the fabric stuff. Um, <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, yeah, I agree with you on three. I, I have fun with it. Uh, I I know a lot of people really like Jurassic World. I hated it immediately. And then every like, so it was just diminishing returns from there. Um, I'm, I, I don't know, man, training velociraptors to be military. Like that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my whole life. Um, oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Fallen kingdom definitely has something dumber. Kyle. What's it that? has a T-Rex selling for only $50 million or something only ridiculous. 50 million? Like whatever I, this is, I think of one of my favorite pieces I ever wrote was me just losing my mind about the dinosaur yeah, auction. It is a good one. In Fallen kingdom. Because it's like, you have, you have like governments, in that auction room, you have actual governments, you have oil, um, oil billionaires. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Hey, everyone, we are going to sell you a T-Rex. I think I looked it up at the time. Like, what does a fighter jet cost? And it's like, you can have one fighter jet or five T-Rexes. It's like insane. And and the rationale I've heard, and I probably, I heard this, I, I, I don't know if this is true, but somebody told me that that came from Spielberg himself, that he that said you had. Yeah, that you had to have the prices be really low so it would show like how little money somebody would be willing to be evil for. And it's like, okay, but it's dumb. Right. Like it's dumb. It's not it's not like you could have done that and he he got like 1% of commission or something. You know, like there's a million ways to convey that without being like here's something that's really instantly stupid and going to take you out of the movie. Yeah, I didn't like I didn't watch the last two. I, I I just couldn't do it. I just, uh, I thought Jurassic world was not good. And so I was like, why would I want to keep watching these? And, uh, um, my wife continued to watch them. I had to remind her that she watched this, the second of the Jurassic world movies. I was like, I, I walked by when you were watching it. She's like, Oh, I don't remember it at all. I was like, okay, that's not a good sign. (laughs) By the Um, way, the first, the first Jurassic world is definitely the best of the three. Absolutely. Look, you're not missing anything. From everything I've heard about them, you know, I've heard that there is a genetically engineered uh, child dinosaur. I mean, she's not a dinosaur, but like they use the same technology to make a child clone. And it's like, why Why it's, isn't this about child cloning? It is. And then I don't care. This is a spoiler. Then she frees the dinosaurs because she yeah. says they're just they're just like me. And if there was ever a time to feed a child to a dinosaur. In yeah. one of these movies, it was right then and there. How many people did you get killed? Just your weird machinations, child. Anyway, okay. So I have a couple. I'm going to lump a couple of um, into my next one. Uh, or my, yeah, my, my next one. Um, which are movies. So I've tried really hard to think of franchises that have one good entry, but the, that's not the first movie. Um, 
And so the first one of those is Transformers. Uh, I really enjoyed the first Transformers when that came out in 2007 uh, as, as a piece of like, hey, cool, like the Transformers are on the big screen, but like, it's not good. Like, um, it's loud. It's Michael Bayish, all that stuff. Um, and then they just got worse and worse and worse. Um, uh, and then Bumblebee came out, which is a completely different director set in the 80s, or early 90s. Um, has a different tone. It's the tone that those movies ought to be. Um, it's it's much more kind of, uh, you know, you can do stuff with the Transformers lore, but it doesn't necessarily have to be um, big, you know, we're going to roll out and destroy the Decepticons before that. You know, it's like, who cares? Um, it's fun. It's a fun movie about a fun character and Haley Steinfeld's really fun in it. And then I was really excited as you know, for the one that came out last year that I keep having to remind myself actually came out, which is uh, rise of the beasts. Cause I'm like, Oh, well, after, after Bumblebee, surely they're going to keep on this stand. I was a huge beast Wars fan. Uh, and that movie is so boring um, and stupid. How? And it how? just, I know how, how, like of all the things to be, Right. It could yeah. be stupid. It can be bad. It can be inane. How can it be boring? Well, here, here's my thing. About you know what it. I mean? Like, how do you get that wrong? Absolutely. Absolutely. Just, just let them fight. Like yeah. I said, like, like we just talked about, like with Jurassic World, the first one, like at least when the dinosaurs are fighting, I'm having a good time. You can't have a movie called Rise of the Beasts about the Maximals, which are there's an Optimus. It, they are from a different time period than the, the, the Autobots. And yet it's still the Autobots that are the main characters. And it's just like, what is this then? Like, what is the point of this? Like, um, there's a character that Michelle Yeoh voices, which is Air Razor, who is the, uh, uh, she's like a hawk or, uh, yeah, a hawk or an eagle or something like that. She doesn't even transform in the entire movie. <laughs> and, she, and spoilers, she gets killed like halfway through. She stays, the, she stays a bird the entire movie and then Dr. dies. Dr. Ian Malcolm voice. Uh, uh, there are going to be Transformers in your Transformers movie, right? <laughs> and then you got Pete Davidson as uh, one of them, Mirage. Uh, Pete Davidson is one of them. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, this sucks. I just, uh, it's just not what I wanted out of this movie. Uh, also, uh, I know they're going to do it because it's the Hasbro universe. Hasbro until all are one to steal a line from Dan Larson. But um, uh, it's a backdoor like, like set up for a G.I. Joe movie. <laughs> There's a teaser at the end of Rise of the Beasts that sets up a G.I. Joe movie. Uh, why? Anyway, so that's that. And then the other one, and this one is very controversial, and I know we're going to argue about this. Don't I want do it, it to just be iconoclastic. Don't I'm do, do it. it. No, come on. You know, you know I'm not a healthy man. Here we go. I'm ready. There is one no. good entry. Don't do it. In the Fast and Furious franchise. And that oh one is God. Fast Five. Oh my God, Kyle. Kyle. Are you going is... to say that it... Fast Five is not the best one? First off, it is the best one. Thank okay. you. That is, it, it's the best one. And I always feel like when people say otherwise, they're just doing it to be, to be yeah, difficult. They're just, they're just different. Yep. yep. Um, there are. Can, can I say what so, I. For the record. Can I, can I give my reasoning first? Can I give my reasoning before you get into your thing? Okay. Before you set the record straight, I'd like to I'd like to tell you something. I saw the first movie in theaters. I thought it was fine. A friend of mine was big into cars and and like, you know, drag racing, I guess, at the time. And so he he loved it. So we went and saw it multiple times that summer. Um 
it's fine. It's a fine movie. The fifth one is so good that it completely changed what the franchise is. And like, you can watch the first, you know, the first four or whatever, like they're good to decent. And I guess like fast and furious, the fourth one is like pretty dumb. Um, Fast Five is amazing. Like as an action movie, it is just out of control. It is the weirdest thing. It's it's just so over the top. And every movie after that has just I think six gets the closest to being like legitimately fun, bombastic without being stupid. But everyone after that is dumb. And um, even though even if there are bits in them that I think are fun, uh, also just like. I just don't I just don't find Dom Toretto that compelling as a character in any of the other movies. Um and yet he because it's the Vin Diesel franchise, he is the focus of every single franchise. When when you know, to the point where like Hobbs and Shaw had to get their own spin-off because they were they were becoming too big on their own to be in the Fast and Furious franchise. Um like I said, 6 is the closest to being legitimately good also. But I, I think it suffers from a lot of like baggy plotting, um, whereas I think five is just straight down the line good. And uh, if I were to buy one Fast and Furious movie, which I won't, uh, it would be that one. You done? You done spreading your lies? <laughs> yeah, I am. Because there are 11 movies in this franchise yep. and nine of them are good. You're out of your mind. Minimum You're good. And here, le- I'm gonna let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. We've talked about this in the past. We judge movies on their own level, right? Of what they are trying to accomplish, right? So why we can give uh, a a silly comedy five stars, but also like a, a serious drama five stars, right? Sure. Because we're yeah. we're judging them for what they are, not compared to each other. The Fast and the Furious movies almost always know exactly what they are set out with a goal in mind and accomplish it. Are there issues at various points? Yes. But I think they are all, all nine of those. And if, if you're curious which ones I think aren't good, it's the Hobbs and Shaw spinoff and Fast 10. I, the, the, the first primary series movie I didn't like. And even that had an amazing villain. They are all entertaining because at no point do they ever just kind of stop being silly at minimum right five five as great as it is and i think it's like i think it's on the list of like best action movies ever you know we Mm -hmm. can talk about that sure um but i don't think that means the other ones aren't good and that's what we're talking about i i do think that for the most part a lot of them they either kind of work for you or they don't and if you just kind of like hey i'm not i'm not really into like kind of this silly kind of surrealist fun or after a while, it gets tiresome for you because um, that's how I that's how I felt during ten. I felt ten was just um, kind of reductive of, of previous installments. Like there was nothing new there aside from from Jason Momoa. I just think they're they're all fun in a different way, and that includes even two and three and four. In fact, I, I would say as much as you love five, if you go back and watch four. It's it's not you're you're right. Five is so good; it completely changes the tra- trajectory of the entire franchise. Right? It's kind of like um, the same thing with Mission Impossible Four. Right? Like it just becomes a different franchise, and that yeah. that all of a sudden. But if you go back and watch uh, Fast and Furious Four, the the foundation for what happens in Five is there, and that movie is is a lot better, um, even 
it's a lot better once you see five and you see like, oh, wow, yeah, the structure's there. Like they really started like taking that next step. And then I think I think six, and seven and eight are all really fun. I think it's seven that has them driving planes out of uh, driving cars out of an airplane, which, you know, it's not supposed to be. It's exactly what it's supposed to be. You know what I mean? And even by the time they get to space, like at that point, they are embracing everything that the franchise had become. So uh, I think it's a fun one for you to bring up, but mostly so we can tell you how wrong you are. Yeah. Uh, so it, we said earlier that knowing, like, just because you know what you're doing doesn't mean that it's good or that, you know, that it's okay. Just because you know that this is stupid or you know that this is meta or whatever. And that's the way I feel about these. Like, so, like I said, six is close to being good. Seven, I think, goes like they drive cars through the Burj Khalifa and stuff like it's it's or whatever building in dubai um that one was a lot (laughs) that one is a lot and i i give that one a kind of more of a pass because obviously paul walker passed away while they were making it or before they had finished it and so there's a lot of a lot of that going on i really hated fast eight i hated it i thought it was so stupid and annoying and just everything about it was bad and i also it's just like you can just see the wheels like None of these people like each other, like in real life. Everyone is just in their own car set talking into a, into a radio that never loses connection. <laughs> like it's just like I understand there's the suspension of disbelief with these movies that you must have. You must in order to even just watch them, which is the same thing you do sort of a Mission Impossible movie. But like, you know, a James Bond movie, you just kind of have to go with those type of things because that's how the action works. And there's good action sequences in all the later movies. Uh, Fast Nine was the first movie I saw in a theater. I went to a press screening of it after the pandemic, and so I had the best time. I I was laughing. I was enjoying myself like crazy. Um, I want. I was so excited to be in the theater again. I gave it a good review based on that. It's not a good movie. Like it's it's a good post pandemic movie. Um, I didn't even see Fast Ten. You went and saw it. You didn't like it, and I figured if you didn't like it, there's no way I'm gonna like it. <laughs> I, I, if people couldn't tell, if I didn't like Fast Ten, <laughs> yeah, like clearly something was going on. Yeah, and so that was sort of my like that's that was my barometer for that one. I was like, you know, because I, I just as a baseline, I assume you're gonna like all of them, and like you know, like I said, like I enjoy bit like first one. I think Tokyo Drift is a cool like complete departure like. But it's very of the time. Um, and it also has the single the, worst lead performance in the franchise. Yeah. Like Lucas Black is not particularly compelling. Is, I mean, um, if he gave us Han and everything like that. But like once it's it became so much about like, oh, these people that were in Dom's life that we've seen a lot of his life and never heard of a brother and like all that stuff. Like it's dumb. It's just dumb. Um, and like I'm all not going to argue of, with that. All of <laughs> Mr. Mr. Family. Mr. Yeah. Failing is a secret brother he disowned. I'm not going to argue with that one. That yeah. was that was a little too much even for me, but it didn't stop me from liking the movie. That's also the one where they go to space in a car, uh, which is something that everyone assumed was going to happen from time. So, like, I like Justin Lin. I think he does a good job with those movies. Um, but I think the the one that is, like, the best example of a movie outside of the Fast and Furious movies is Fast Five. Um the end. Okay. All right. Last one. All right. My number one. Uh, we did not pick this topic to be timely, but my number one is strangely timely. 
there's only one good movie in this franchise, which somehow is still one of my favorite franchises mm. because the second entry in this franchise is the worst movie that I love. Okay. Ghostbusters. There is only one good Ghostbusters movie. And it's the first one. Uh, the second one, we talk about like just running it back, you know, just running back the first plot. So the original Ghostbusters, which I, I think almost entirely holds up. Um, I know people like to make fun of certain things, whatever. I don't care. It, I, I love that movie it is just an amazing concept, a sci-fi comedy where you basically just got a bunch of New York firefighters, except they're fighting ghosts instead. And, and then the second movie is the exact same premise, which is nobody believes them. And some lackey for the mayor is trying to keep them from saving the city. And it's like, we literally just saw ghost, right? Like the movie opens, they are losers. They are such losers. They are singing at kids parties. It is the single dumbest premise I have ever seen in any movie. The world's greatest heroes just a couple years later are reduced to hosting kids parties where all the kids hate them. And then they have to go through the exact same beats of the first movie. I think the third act also is weirdly paced and and kind of unsatisfying how it ends. And then I was very excited for the reboot. I thought the way I thought like I think Ghostbusters is such an amazing premise just in general that I thought kind of rebooting it with a all female cast was a, just a fantastic way to do it uh, and that movie doesn't work for me at all um it didn't have the right group dynamics where everybody is the funny one you know like it just it just throws it off it does the comedy doesn't work if everybody's the 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 funny one you have there's no straight straight you know person to be bouncing things off of or create different types of laughs i also think it looks really bad i think i described that movie as looking like it takes place inside the amazing spider-man 2 like, oh, it, once, just, it could not look more like that. That is so on the ball. And they're both yeah. Sony movies. So maybe that's just the Sony yeah. in-house style. But like, um, man, you nailed it with that. And then I don't, I do not know who Ghostbusters Afterlife is for, but it's definitely not Ghostbusters fans because yeah. it, it it was it's like. Stranger Things fans. It's it, uh, Amblin fans, right? Like, I guess so. It's Amblin, just, yeah. it's not, it, do you, not to say, oh, New York was a character, but like the whole premise of Ghostbusters is these guys who are just kind of doing a job, right? And it's a it's a it's a very strange job, but they're very kind of normal guys. And I know three of them are, are scientists and believe in this stuff, whatever. But then you just you move out into the middle of the country and it's mostly kids. And I I understand that movie has people who really like it, and I think it was mostly well reviewed. If we're talking about that as a Ghostbusters movie, I think it's terrible. Uh, I'm not even really interested in it until the actual Ghostbusters show up. Um, now, I know the this new one, Frozen Empire, is not only going back to New York. It seems like it's definitely going to combine the generations more. Mm-hmm. Um, we just we just saw the new trailer right before we started recording this, and I don't think it's a very promising trailer. It looks a little too beholden to the original films. But it's just kind of a long way of saying I think there's only one Ghostbusters movie, which is incredible after all these years yeah so we talked about the uh, eric and i talked about this a couple weeks ago um about the ghostbusters cartoon and how like important that was to just the 
shaping of Ghostbusters as a as a as a franchise and not just a movie with a sequel that was coming out. But the real Ghostbusters cartoon was for kids what Ghostbusters could do as a premise. Like it's it's fun, it's weird, it's kind of scary. It's got silliness to it. And once they were sort of like, what let's make it all about Slimer, then it was sort of less interesting to me. But I, and I've heard a lot of people who are older than me, like I was born in 84 when the movie came out. So like I was kind of catching up um, when I was a kid. Um, but I know people who are older than me who who say that Ghostbusters, the first one, is a not just a great movie, a perfect movie. And I don't I don't agree with that. I think it's a good movie. I think it's I think I, I think there's a lot of weird pacing and stuff with it. Um, but I'm not I'm not here to be like, actually, Ghostbusters isn't very good. I'm not I'm not that guy. But I will say that, like, no one has understood what made like, I don't think even Ivan Reitman and Dan Aykroyd understood why the first movie was good. Um, and so every movie after that, I think J. Michael Straczynski, who wrote most of the episodes of the cartoon, the, the like the syndicated version, not the Saturday morning one, which is all Slimer based. I think he, he sort of got what that premise could do. And that's why the cartoon was so popular. But like, you know. I was with you on the reboot. I was like, you know, and I think everybody lost their mind a little too much because of, uh, you know, uh, they're uh, racist and sexist. Um, but I think that like, uh, it didn't ruin your childhood, but it isn't good. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's yeah. the real problem with it. It's like, I, I want to defend it more because I think everyone, most of the people who are the loudest against it were just awful people who were, who were giving bad faith criticisms. But it's like, a Paul Feig movie and a Ghostbusters movie just don't really gel. And like, um, you well, know, especially cause he was so beholden. He felt so beholden to the original movies, you know, having yeah. all those cameos and having all of these tie-ins and Easter yeah. eggs. That movie works best when it's just doing its own thing. It's not like a total disaster, you know, it's not like terrible. Um, and that, that's kind of the thing I think that, that might yeah. make people surprised about me, including Ghostbusters and, and having it. Number one is that there's no, pure disaster no even afterlife has some good things going for it um anything with carrie coon has a floor that's still pretty high Absolutely. You know, she's one of my favorites paul rudd in a prominent role um but i also think that these like afterlife kind of forgot that this these these are comedies you know yeah. like they're 100 com yeah. comedies first action sci-fi second um and i i i agree by the way i grew up watched like obsessed with the the real ghostbusters cartoon like yeah. it is one of the like formative shows of my life because i i watched it so much as a kid and i think that also is probably why like if you ask me my favorite franchises i include it um mm -hmm. ghostbusters because of how how much i love that show the, the toys yep um but if you're just looking at the movies i don't really see how you can say any of them are just straight up good besides the original yeah um, and it's, it's super quotable. Like it's, you know, it, and that's the, that's the thing. It's so good that they've been trying to recapture that for so long. And that is, that is sort of the hallmark of a lot of these franchises we've been talking about is it's like not necessarily lightning in a bottle, but they were very popular and critically and audience beloved. And they don't know how to do that again. Like, um, and it's very rare that you know you get movies that are the the same exact production team who who with a with a writer 
who knows how to like, oh, let's do this again or something like that. Because like, you know, um, other franchises that have more good entries um, even have some bad ones. Like, you know, you're going to get some good ones and some bad ones anytime you do stuff like that. But it's it's amazing that like it's Ghostbusters. I haven't bust some ghosts. But like it, the second one, you're right, is just a retread, a crappier retread with a less compelling kind of ghost at the center well, of it. Like and that's, the Carpathian is just a guy who scowls. Like it's Yeah. And that's you know, that's one of the most frustrating things about Ghostbusters too. Again, it's I know this sounds weird. I think it's a bad movie and I just love it. It's it, it sure. you know, I watched it at the right age and there's elements of it that I think are still amazing. Like the concept of Vigo the Carpathian is great. They just do nothing with it. Like no. that's what I'm talking about the third act. It's so unsatisfying. Like there's no big like he walks out of the painting and he kind of shoots Palpatine lasers at him or something mm-hmm. you know like there's nothing there um but that movie has them using the statue of liberty is incredible right it's like it's a great way to like use the city and to have this big moment right the same way like the state puff marshmallow is a moment yeah um it's also got and i am on record and when i say on record go to nerdist.com and look this up that bobby brown's on our own is the greatest song that's ever been recorded uh it is <laughs> It is. I I am obsessed with that song. I'm obsessed okay. with the lyrics. I believe not. It's a, look. I do genuinely think it's a great song. But I think Bobby Brown was hired to write the theme for Ghostbusters two and forgot about it until the day before, and then he just added some lyrics to a pre existing song that he was working on. Uh, this is a, a thing I, I totally believe. I'm not exaggerating. I've broken it down in depth more than anybody alive. Um, there's also. When that song plays in the movie, that's also when they get out of the insane asylum and kind of get to work. It's a great montage. It's got this mm-hmm. incredible energy and stuff that unfortunately just once that montage kind of ends, that whole sequence, the the movie just runs out of energy. So that's, I think, another thing that really frustrates me is there's so much stuff in that movie that I like. And I don't understand why we needed to turn them back into underdogs that nobody believed. Like, yeah. It just, it just th- this, is a, this is a thing that, drives me nuts with a lot of franchises is that they kind of just refuse to acknowledge the reality that they've created in their own world. Mm -hmm. Right. So like afterlife ghostbusters afterlife does the same thing. They're like, you guys never heard about the ghostbusters. It's like, there were literal ghosts in New York city. We have footage of it. Why are you pretending like people don't know this? It completely fundamentally changed the world. If right now, a literal god appeared above New York City. It would fundamentally change the world forever. Now, I realize you can't maybe embrace that the way you really want to. And over time, things kind of do settle back. But this idea that like no, but no kid under 15 knows about the Ghostbusters is ridiculous. It's no, just, that would it's be just in silly. history books. That would have to be. There'd be documentaries about it every year on Ghost Day or whatever, like Ghost commemorating <laughs> whatever, Ghost. whatever they call it. G-Day. I'm sure I mean, they would call kid, it. Kids know about July 4th, right? They know they know why we celebrate July 4th. I do. I do. Right? All, all, we, yeah. all we did was sign a piece of paper. I, I think I think we uh, defeated an evil god probably would make the record books. Yeah. Uh, stream crossing day, whatever they want to call it. Uh, so my last one, I, I completely agree with you about Ghostbusters. Um, my last one is another one that I think falls in the same camp as the Matrix films, which is that uh, sort of which is that they made a really great first one and then we're like, all right, we got to turn this into a franchise. It's so popular. So then they made the second and third movies back to back 
and and as though they were one grand story or whatever like that. And I don't think either movie. I know there are people who think there are that they are good. One or the other one is good. Um, and then they made two after that that are just awful. And that, of course, is the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. Gore Verbinski made somehow made a pirate movie in the two thousands that was not only fun, it was good. It was uh, a spectacle. It was exciting. It it felt like a real old timey movie in a, in the best way. The stuff that Disney used to make alongside their um, animated films back in like the the fifties and sixties. You know, like Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, like the or, or Treasure Island, or these big movies that they used to make um, that had nothing to do with animation. They were just like, let's make family adventure movies. Um, I, I you know I, I think it's got a very uh good central performance <laughs> uh i i i uh hesitate to you know give praise to somebody who i think is loathsome in real life but um uh it's a, it's an amazing central performance and uh who is basically not he's he, uh, captain jack sparrow is the lead of the film but he's not the lead of the story and that's what makes it amazing like it is so much about everybody else and he's sort of this trickster god in the middle of it it's 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 wonderful um I think the action's great. I think the conceit is great. I think Barbosa is such a good villain. I think all that stuff, the romance really works, like all that stuff. I think it's it's maybe the only time Orlando Bloom has been like really, really good in a movie. Um, oh, we're definitely going to get letters now. Yeah. The Bloom has. Oh, he's, oh, he's, he's, he's got fans. Does he? He's, I don't even know if I agree with you, by the way. Um I don't. I, I don't know if I agree with me either. I was just saying something. I I haven't like gone through his entire filmography. Well, I mean, I mean, you know, you know, those Middle Earthers are definitely gonna. Yeah, but is he good in one. those movies? Uh, is I think he is good. I don't know if he gets to do a lot, but I do no, think that certainly not. I, I mean, look, he's playing an ethereal being of pure light, and he looks like it the whole time. That should count for something, even if the, his part isn't written especially well. It's definitely soured because he is he's shouldn't be in the Hobbit movies and he's not good in the Hobbit movies and that character sucks in the Hobbit movies. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I, let's get back to the, the point at hand. Uh, and then after that, uh, Verbinski was at least back for Dead Man's Chest and at at World's End or at World's End. Is that what it's called? On whatever think- it's called. I think that's what it's called. Uh, uh, and I don't think either of those are very good. I think there's some cool parts to them, but they'd like just you know actually i won't even say some cool parts some really cool action sequences some great stuff in the second movie uh big long extended action sequences but the plot is and and also davy jones you can't like uh uh bill nye's performance is davy jones and the and just the way that they render davy jones is a cool idea i just don't think they do enough with it i think by the third one it gets real it just so like i also i couldn't hear it in the theater like it's such bad sound mixing in the third one and then they were just like, well, these are still popular, so let's continue this along. And the last two are not directed by Gore Verbinski, and they may as well just be zombies. Like, they are just, like, the the walking husk of a film franchise at that point. Um, uh, and yeah, I, I'll say it. I think only the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie is good. I think the other couple of them are watchable, enjoyable Kyle. to a degree. I, I literally did not remember there was a fifth one. Yeah, there's five. There's I'm like, five I'm like, I'm in my head. I'm like, I'm like, uh, there's three of them. No, no, they did a fourth. They did a fourth, and then it was over. And I looked it up. It's like, what? Yeah, they made a, a five. One. Did anybody see it? 
Oh, that I was the one. Any, with, I don't know if nobody saw it, but Javier Bardem. That's the yeah. one with Bardem. Is yeah. And no, I think I can't remember. I can't remember. It's um, got a. Let's see. Jeffrey Rush is back. Brenton. Of course, Thwaites. he's in all of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, Brenton Thwaites. So he's playing the son of uh, Will and uh, uh, whatever her name is, Keira Knightley's character, um, Elizabeth, uh, which is dumb. Um, the end. I, I don't, I, you know, I, I wouldn't have even thought of these movies had I not seen a video fairly, or a couple videos actually fairly recently talking about them and sort of being like, they don't make movies like that anymore. And I completely agree. Like that was right at the edge of when CGI started to take over and when the volume, like those movies today would just look sh- like boring and flat and everything the same way that a lot of movies do because it's cheaper. Um, and there's more control, but there is a there's a tactile level to movies like that that just doesn't exist anymore. Where they actually that, went they out never recreated the water. They could never recreate yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. It's never like it and it really makes you wonder at what point are they are the studios gonna kind of realize penny wise pound foolish. Because yep. you know, if you make a movie that's supposed to be a spectacle and then whether it's I, I don't I think sometimes people both overestimate and underestimate like what critics can kind of do. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think critics giving bad reviews to something can totally sink a movie. I think if people are excited for it, for whatever reason, they'll go see it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, you know, a bunch of critics also say this movie's amazing, that, that helps the same way. Like if your friends go and see it and if you're going to make a movie, that's supposed to be a spectacle, and then all the reviews or all the, the people who see it say like, it looks like crap. That's a big reason not to go pay to see it on a big screen. Mm-hmm. That's you, you might still see it, but you might also be like, well, if it doesn't look that good, I guess I can watch it on my TV at home. Yeah. So at some point just realize like, there's a reason we respond to these. Um, you know, we, we talked about like legacy sequels and, and them not always working. And I always think about um, Blade Runner 2049. Mm-hmm. which I think is like kind of a stunning movie and that the, they screwed up by not just simply re-releasing Blade Runner two months before, you know, yeah. so like a new generation could see it and then comes and that movie looks like they, they went to a planet and built their own dystopia. Like it just looks so real and tactile and everything looks as epic as the movie needs it to be. Yep. And then you see these other movies, it's like, it's like, it, it, you know, you talked, I didn't mention it. I don't like, I don't like the force awakens um, mm. at all. I think that is talk about like just a retread of a new hope. It, it super um, is. It super is. Yeah. But I remember that opening scene um, with Poe Dameron where he goes to get the, the information from Luke's friend that we don't know at all. And that we're apparently supposed to care about. And I remember seeing that movie for the first time in the theater and being like, oh, they shot, they shot this on a, a sound studio. Like this is just. Like I can, I can, I feel like I can see the walls. Yeah. Whereas like you go back and you watch a new hope and you feel like you're on a desert planet when you meet Luke at the beginning, you yeah. know? And, and that's something that I think continues to hurt movies because it, it and the funny thing is we see these budgets. I realize some of it is COVID related precaution, you know, mm-hmm. cost and stuff, but movies cost too much to make and yet somehow look bad. And then you go see Godzilla minus one, which Cost less than fifteen million and looks like it costs five hundred million. So yeah. it can be done. It can it be can. done. Well, there just takes care, and you know, like 
I don't know. I, I, I don't want to say that there pe- everybody making a movie doesn't care. Like, obviously, that's ridiculous. But like, um, but you're right. Like, it's they take so much time and money to do these things that if you just did it real, like the, the thing that always stands out to me in the th- uh, uh, Rise of Skywalker, they shot on, you know, like the, whatever desert planet that is in the, supposed to be in that one. There's three desert planets. They all look exactly the same. Um, they shot that with outside, but on a green, you know, with green screen backing. But they did have to go to Jordan because there's no other place that has light like that. What? Just shoot the back. It's Jordan. Like it's a it's a desert planet. I'm screaming. I shouldn't scream in, <laughs> in the office. Um, I just don't understand why they why why you do that. Like it just doesn't make any sense. So, um that just seems like a waste of a trip to Jordan. If you're not going to actually shoot the exteriors looking at the dunes of an actual desert, like it just doesn't make any sense. Um, and it's the same with like, uh, Indiana Jones, like, uh, you know, the first three Indiana Jones movies look like real movies and there's parts of kingdom of the crystal skull that are good, but then most of it looks really, really fake. Like, you know, when they're through the jungle and stuff that looks terrible. And then even dial destiny, like parts of it look okay, but parts of it definitely look like a set. And like, and there's nothing wrong with sets, but you have to have, nobody knows how to light it to make it look like not a set anymore. Like that, that skill is just gone. Um, because they just put so much, you know, blue screen or green screen behind stuff and fill it out that way. It just looks like fakeness. And, and I don't know, it just, when you see stuff like Blade Runner 2049, where they actually built cities in, in scale miniature and then shot a can you know put a camera through it and stuff like that and just use cgi to enhance them which is exactly what happened in jurassic park they built models and then just use the cgi to like make them look a little bit more realistic that's the best use of that stuff it has to enhance reality it can't create reality as good as some of that stuff is um it just looks you know i think the volume is overused at this point but so anyway all of that is to say the pirates of the caribbean movies especially the first one, which is actually like legitimately good. But um, that first trilogy with Gore Verbinski, that was the last time anybody made those kind of big giant epic movies just outside, not, not with no CGI, but with minimal. And it just felt like they were actual. And they also brought pirates back to prominence for a short period of time. And that is something that no movie had done. Cutthroat Island tried it in 97, absolutely tanked. (laughs) If you don't, if you're not familiar with that movie, go look up. It is an historic bomb. Yeah, made, Apps, it like cost so much money and made not. Same with Waterworld, actually. Like another Waterworld, movie that, though, Waterworld is. I like. No, I think Waterworld is I, good, but it also lost a lot of money. You know, Waterworld. Uh, I've, I think I've written about this too. Waterworld kind of suffered from the fact that because it was the the most expensive movie yeah. that had ever been made at that point, people expected it to be the greatest movie that had ever been made. Yeah. When really what it was was an expensive B movie that was mm-hmm. a lot of fun and featured a lot of great action and sets and world building and um, a, a wooden cutout of Kevin Costner. Yeah. You know. Oh, wait, no. Oh, this says, oh, I just looked up. That was actually Kevin Costner? Oh, is it? Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought it was. Oh, uh, I thought it was a ventriloquist dummy. That's mean. Uh, that's really mean. Uh, that's not a good performance for him. No, it's not. Um, he was better as Robin Hood. That's I'm, uh, I'm giving Mikey like a, and that's that's the mark of a. That's how you know it's a bad performance because he's not good in Robin Hood. 
Okay. So anyway, that's that's this. We would love to hear from you uh, about your favorite franchise that only has one good. You know, I could talk about like Friday the Thirteenth, but like, no, they're the, 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 the point first. Of that, or... The first few are all good. The first, the first three. The, they're all four, on the same yeah. first four. I yeah. would say are yeah, on the four. same level. Three, maybe less so, because that's the stupid three D one. But none of them are great. <laughs> and you could maybe argue like Nightmare on Elm Street, but I, there's a lot of people who really like the third one. Yeah, um, I, I don't think we could put that. You know which one we didn't put? You know which one we didn't put? That's probably the single biggest omission is The Hangover. Yeah, you mentioned it. Oh, I did. Okay, but again, that's like a, to me. I, I didn't include it because it's to, it's a trilogy, not a franchise. If they make a fourth one, though, it's going on the list. It's going Unless on the, the list. fourth one's good. If the fourth one's good, all bets are off. Yeah, all bets are off. Uh, maybe at some point we'll talk about franchises that have a lot of entries, but uh, more than one good one, but not more th- like less than fifty percent batting average, and yet they still make them. I think. I think there's an argument that the James Bond franchise, another franchise I adore from top to tail, I don't think it has more than, I think it's less than half good. Um, and yet I still love it. But uh, anyway, uh, please let us know your favorites. Uh, uh, laserfocus at nerdist.com is the email address. Uh, you can tweet at nerdist and maybe Lee will tell me. <laughs> probably just email me if you want to uh give me your thoughts on that mikey how can people get a hold of you and your work on the internet you can find me on uh, both blue sky and twitter at burger mike and you can read all of my pop culture thoughts at the greatest website anybody ever created nerdist.com you can follow me on uh instagram see my new official new cat we we'd foster failed a kitten um uh, and she's a delight. Um, at uh, uh, functional underscore nerd, you can follow me on Letterboxd, Kyle underscore Anderson, see all the weird Jallo stuff I've been watching. Also, a lot of Jackie Chan movies. Uh, Jackie Chan was great. Back at man, early Jackie Chan movies are so good. Anyway. He's still great. Go watch. Go watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Mutant Mayhem. He I did. Is, oh, did you? Since the he's last so time we f- talked, I saw it. I oh, okay, really okay. It. I loved it. Yeah. He's, he's so funny. He's, he's so funny. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, on uh, Letterbox, and uh, you can follow my work on Nerdist as well. Thank you for listening. I've been Kyle Anderson. Join me again next week when my guest will be a different person. Bye bye. Laser Focus is a production of Nerdist Industries and Legendary Digital Networks. It was produced, edited, and hosted by me, Kyle Anderson. For more, visit nerdist.com. Nerdist.